So hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker, I'm a consultant radiologist. And, and my name is Dr. Therusha Gunawardner, and I have a specialist interest in intervention. Great, excellent. So, um, how have you been, Therusha, this week? <laughs> uh, my, my voice has gone a bit off, actually. I don't feel great. <laughs> okay, so for those of you that can't tell, this is not Therusha. He, uh, he's he's no. got cancelled. I, I mean, that's the only way to really say it. Um, yeah, it was going to happen someday. Yeah, it was exactly. going to happen someday. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Decided. Controversial takes uh, that he's been having has finally got him cancelled. So we have, please Especially the food takes, I think. Oh, God, yeah. It was getting weird, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, some of those things were just too much. Um, my name's Tanya, and I'm a junior doctor working in ITU at the moment. TBC, what I will do in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To be confirmed. And also, actually, you're one of the few guests that we've had that I actually met prior to you coming on the episode. Like, we've actually physically met, haven't we? Um, we have and this was it like yeah it was very early in the podcast days i think i was on episode three mm. and then like you you we decided to meet up and uh yeah you you messaged me on twitter saying hey man we work yeah. in the same place and i thought oh great here we go <laughs> and i sound so stalkerish don't i no it's because i saw your report for a patient i didn't realize we worked in the same place until then and i was like hey i know that name i recognize that oh, person God, yeah. and i was like hey Let's hang out. And we got lunch one day and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and then it was very difficult to find me. I actually pride myself on being very yeah. difficult to find and people never, never find me. So you're one of the very few people who've actually uh, located me. And actually, am I right in thinking that you're one of the first emails we ever got on a hi at two medics podcast uh, or hi at two medics.com? You sent us a picture Possibly. of your cat, if I remember correctly. I did. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think you sent us a picture of your let's cat. Let's make sure that's not weird as an actual cat. Nothing weird. Um, because that can be misconstrued. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah my, the cat that I go. lived with at the time, exactly. Um, yeah, just as a random hello, and I saw that you guys had an email thing, and me just being bored one day, I was like, why not? So I did. Yeah, and so what happened to your cat, man? <laughs> you were saying, it was a nice cat. I know. It was a really nice picture. I she, mean, nice cat, wasn't it? She was it? so cute. Yeah. She was lovely. Um, I moved out, and it was my flatmate's cat anyway. Um, mm-hmm. well, we, we kind of got her together, but... I ended up becoming quite allergic to her as time went on. It was not great, oh, uh, waking man. up very sniffly in the mornings and stuff. So ended up deciding to give my flatmate full custody. So mm. I still get regular okay. updates, see how she's doing. I don't get, I don't have yeah. to pay her uh, any like, you know, childcare stuff, but it's all fine. <laughs> you, know. you know, my daughter really wants a cat. I genuinely, the other day, she saw some cats in the garden. And I don't know if I told you, I told my daughter years ago that, you know, pets, you don't buy them, you have to catch them out in the wild. And she's believed it ever <laughs> since. And so she Just saw these two cats them. in the garden. Yeah, she saw these two cats in the garden. Dad, can we go catch these? And I, I forgot about oh saying God. that. I can't believe I, you still believe that. And then, you know, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to catch that cat. That. <laughs> they and probably belong the to go. other people as well. Yeah, yeah, well, she doesn't know that. So then they, they ran off and then she was really upset <laughs> yeah. with me. She was really upset. And this is the point where, like, she was crying so much that she wanted the cat Aww. that she was breaking my heart. And like, and then she well, goes to me, she's only like, what, six, yeah? And she goes, Dad, it's the only thing I've ever wanted my whole entire life. <laughs> oh, she knows how to do it, man. She knows how to, like, get you oh, doing mate, what she wants. I was, I was very close to being like, all right, that's it. We're getting a cat. I'm, I can't take this getting anymore. You crying like this is driving me insane. They are. They are pretty low maintenance, I have to say, if you're not 
allergic to them. Um, they kind of do their own thing a lot of the time. So as as a pet, like they are pretty nice to have. It's just yeah, I'm allergic. And my parents have a really nice cat as well. Mm. I I love him to bits. I go cuddle him, and then like for like twelve hours, I'm just like coughing and sneezing oh, and itchy mate. eyes. I have to like take antihistamines. It's not it's not great. But right. um, I do love cats still. I'm more of a cat well, person than I'm a dog person. Every yeah, oh, same here. Believe it or not. Um, mm. But yeah, so every time I um, <laughs> don't say. every time my daughter mentions uh like they, you know let's get a pet and i'm like i've already got pets you are my pets you're my pet humans and i can't look after anything else cost me enough it. money that uh, does. exactly oh, and the time and the effort and the sleep that girl is gone mm. uh yeah it's um yeah it's been it's been tough in fact i mean speaking of sleep um i sent you an article didn't i uh, i think earlier today wasn't it what was that article it was about um Long sleep. So I'll quickly find the headline for this one. Yeah, an um, Alzheimer's risk, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so apparently, uh, according to this very recent article that popped up in The Guardian, it said long naps may be an early sign of Alzheimer's disease, according to a study. Mm. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of this particular study, but, you know, I just came, I just fell asleep yesterday. I was meant to be talking <laughs> to Tanya yesterday to talk about the podcast. And then she was calling me and messaging me. And and this is what I what time did you message start like calling 8, me 8 15 <laughs> 8 15 it's not even that I know, late I know and I was completely zonked out and I thought I was going to go for an hour nap and the next thing I know That's the right, kids are getting ready to go to school and I'm thinking what happened to the last 12 hours of my life uh, yeah <laughs> spent it sleeping um, yeah. just people like is he okay is he alive what's happened <laughs> I mean I've I frequently have naps. I mean, it was much worse when I wasn't diagnosed with celiac disease and I just had like a HB of 60. That wasn't fun. Wow. Um, mm. So, yeah, severe iron deficiency, anemia makes you tired, apparently. So mm. I had a lot of naps then. Yeah. I have less naps now. They're mostly just from work. Like, I'm just so tired. I just need to sleep. Um, but, yeah, I'm if there... If, if it is a precursor to Alzheimer's, I'm pretty screwed that way then. <laughs> <laughs> Same, mate. I mean, I just went on a 15-hour sleep and, uh, yeah, saw that article. I was like, great, there we go. At least I know where I'm headed. I better do the best I can exactly. at the time I've got left. Um, but anyway, it's been uh, a pretty active week on uh, Med Twitter. And, yes, some of you may has. notice that. Therusha is definitely not going to be talking. It feels like, um, do you remember in Pop, do you remember Pop Idol or are you too young for Pop Idol? I, I can't tell these days. When I talk about oh stuff, some of the people Pop look at me blank. Be like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I'm not that. I'm X-Factor. not that young. Like, I do know Pop, okay, Pop Idol, yeah, uh, but vaguely. So like, was... I don't think I watch much of it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think uh, I think maybe F Series One. There was a guy called Rick Waller, and um, he was this really big dude, and he had a fantastic voice. And then I think about halfway through the series, he decided he said he couldn't speak anymore. He they weren't he wasn't allowed to talk anymore, and it was because he'd already oh, got wow. a contract with some other company. And so um, Thrusha's certainly sitting here, and he just can't talk because he's got a contract with someone else. Um, yeah, that's what's happening. Um, yeah, let, let's let's anyway. go with that angle. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, by the way, I should mention that we do have sponsors. We actually have sponsors this week. Um, it's a, a recruitment company, uh, www.lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk, and they are advertising GP jobs, locum jobs in Essex and Northumberland. So if you are interested, please do give them a call. Quote two medics and you'll definitely get the best rate possible. Right. So let's move on <laughs> to the tweets of the week. We've decided to go with one of yours, Tanya, to begin with. Tanya, do you Yay. want to tell us about your tweet? What were you talking about? What was going on? 
Sure. Um, so I, it, mine was uh, a quote tweet of Pathos's tweet talking about uh, the slippery slope of UK medic jobs for UK medic grads. Uh, so my take was that I feel like there's so many doctors out there um, who share this opinion. I, I, to be honest, I feel like there's xenophobic undertones to it. Every time I see it, it's always mm. like, IMG doctors are taking our jobs or, you know, especially because there's so many doctors who do go to Australia and New Zealand and I feel like no one's ever talking about, you know, how easy it is for UK grads and whether we're stealing their jobs, but it's not mm. okay if IMGs come over here, you know, and all that stuff. And mm. I think I made I made like a little meme about it as well with like a colour chart. Like certain coloured people's <laughs> always called IMGs, but other colours are called expats. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's so was my true. it's so that true was my take yeah I mean, that is that's life in general though isn't it like every time you have someone from sort of you know uk and stuff go somewhere else they're called expats and if they come vice versa they're you know immigrants foreigners etc etc um but you know yeah, like yeah. we always say this kind of thing but i always think like when i was going so I, my family from bangladesh and i remember i was going to bangladesh once and um there was a stopover in india and then um, when i got to the stopover the 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 um, airport staff were coming up to us to make sure our bags had been checked. And they're being really like kind of almost brutal with me, like push me around, trying to look at my bags. And I thought, dude, like I've, I've got it checked and stuff. Like relax. And I was trying to find the find mm. the um, the little tag to say it'd been checked. And when they got to the white guy next to me, they were so polite. Nothing. <laughs> and I was like, come <laughs> on, man. You treat me, I've right. got the same password. Why are you treating me like this and you're treating him like that? It was um, it was painful to watch. It's always but... fun to, it's fun to just get randomly selected, isn't it? Yeah, like when I was going to America once, it was just me and another brown person with a Muslim sounding name mm. who were the only ones mm. who got checked before we went on the plane to America. And we were just like, yeah, <laughs> great, great time to be brown, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's just unfortunate. <laughs> it's I, I don't know if I mentioned this in a podcast before, but my daughter, when she was like two, or maybe she's a baby. Yeah, she got searched. She got randomly allocated for search because mm. obviously this was the name and not the she? age. Yeah, yeah. And she was a tiny baby. As a two-year-old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and then she was God. even younger than that. She was even younger than that. So I had to literally hold this baby up and they mm. were like patting this baby down. And I was like, you guys, man, seriously, like, where's the line? Where is the line? Genuinely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's. I mean, it's apparently bit... there's, there isn't much of a line these days. No, like, there isn't. Yeah, they'll, they'll search a baby, mate. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, mm. segue. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Go for it. Yes, <laughs> I was good. trying to get the segue in there. <laughs> yes, do it, do it, do it. So we can talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So there was quite a big topic. Um, mm. Police have strip searched a 15 year old black girl at school um, because they, uh, that a teacher had claimed that she could smell cannabis on her. And apparently there was a backstory that her, she had a, had a friend who had been found to use cannabis or something like that. Mm. Um, and then this teacher just somehow magically smelled cannabis on her one day. Police came in, strip searched her. She, what, was, what I found was quite horrific about it as well, uh, apart from, I mean, every, the whole thing is horrific as it is. Mm. But she was also on her period. And oh, the no. police insisted that she take off her sanitary pad and they strip searched her, no other adults around, no chaperone, nothing. Um, and then she developed PTSD and her parents were rightfully outraged about this situation. A report came out and said that it was, I think it was discriminatory. Um, I mean, she was black and they feel like racism was at play there. Hmm. And it was just a really horrific thing to happen, I think, especially at, that, at such a young age like that. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's going to be um, really traumatic on anyone having to go through something like that. Wasn't there that guy uh, in America? Do you remember? His, I think his name was Muhammad actually, and he was a young Somalian origin kid, and uh, he he was really smart. He made a clock. Do you remember this? And he brought it into school, mm, and then the teachers thought it was a bomb. Mm. And they called in the police and stuff, and uh, it just was complete oh, outrage because he was—he he actually brought the yeah. clock in to show his teacher. He was so proud of what he'd made, and he's still you know, oh, around. But yeah, it was so sad. But then uh, you know, apparently, like Obama met him, and you know, there's big apologies that went that way. But I don't know. I hope this girl gets some sort of apology, and you know, more importantly, gets over some of that sort of trauma that can come from that. Because you can't imagine mm. how. Like, have you ever been stopped by the police, Tanya? Have you ever been searched for anything like that? No, I don't think I have, to be honest. I mean, I I know that I, to be honest, I, I've acknowledged it myself as well. I do carry a certain amount of privilege as of quite a light-skinned brown person. Hmm. So I don't immediately look, like, I don't immediately look Indian to people. Like, you know, often hmm. I got mistaken for, like, being European, Greek, Italian, odd things before. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm Indian. Um, but, I yeah, I, I have had friends who have been. Um, mm. My cousin, he's got, like, facial hair and everything, so he gets stopped at airports all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to fly around, and my surname is Mohammed. Our surname is Mohammed. Yeah. So, yeah, just just that sort of stuff. But I've not been stopped in the street or searched or anything like that. Oh, um, I just think it's horrific, like, what's happened here. I've been searched loads of been... times, mate. Have you? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, loads of times, loads of times. And it's it's like, you know, you couldn't get further away from a threatening person, I like to think. And just the number <laughs> that I've been searched on the tube, and I was trying to get out, and I was actually late for work. I was working at the gym, and then they were, like, stopping me. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm late for work, and that made them more irate. So they actually pulled me Did to the side. Did they just get intimidated said, or something? Just, uh, yeah, just, I like, mean, I was trying to get through the gymming, barriers, and then they're like, flexing. you need to stop. <laughs> yeah, it was the guns, that what they guys Someone, <laughs> yeah. you know, the guy's got guns, he's getting on the train, get, get him, get him, get him. Um, no. Once I was running, walking back uh, to the mosque, yeah, they searched me then. Oh, really? um, and that was pretty annoying. Yeah, two police were following us, me and my mate. Mm. And then uh, eventually they just stopped us, and I said, what's up? And they said, we need to search us up. Why? And they gave us this piece of paper. It was so weird. And it said, hmm. terrorists are known to walk between places. So you're walking between places and therefore we need to search you. I was like, this is a bizarre piece of, what? like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the lady actually just put saying, her hand in my pockets. What? Really? Really? She but, you know, she put my hand, her hands in my pockets. And it's like empty. Yeah, I was like, look, yeah. I could have emptied my pockets for you. Why are you doing this? It was, it was really weird. And I think, um, actually, more recently I was driving and then they just stopped hmm. me. And I was like, what are you stopping me for? And they took me, they had to get outside. And it's really embarrassing. You're on the side of the road and people are looking at you like mm. you've done something. And then, um, yeah, and they were like, oh, we just thought your tyres were looking a bit funny. It's all right. It's a bit a strange thing to stop me over for. Um, yeah, man. Did they like search yeah, you and the, stuff the then as well? Uh, no, I think I flashed my badge as in being a doctor straight away as quickly okay. as I could, thinking that may, may give me some sort of advantage. You know, just in case something was up. And then they kind of stopped a bit. And then they looked at the, t the car and they were like, oh, your cars, your car tires. Like, okay. Said, so yeah, they look a bit flat or something. You don't have tread. You need to get that sorted out straight away. And then I was like, you really pulled me over for that? Like in the middle of this busy road? Like, that seems pretty it? random, doesn't it? It yeah. does, yeah. Um, but yeah, life of a brown man, man. I can, uh, yeah, well, you know, what can you do? Um, thankfully, I wasn't in, in a rush to get anywhere on that particular date. Uh, but mm. there was someone on Med Twitter that was in a rush to try and get somewhere. I don't know if you remember seeing that tweet, which has been recently deleted. But um, basically what happened, there was a teaching session that was going on and there was a med student that needed to go to work. 
and decided to skip that teaching session from that consultant. And that consultant decided to send a message uh, saying, basically, you've got to choose between work and mm. and med school. You can't have both. Um, how do you feel, Tony? How, how was that for you? Yeah, go on. I think it's also important to note it was a last minute teaching session. So it wasn't something that mm. had been planned in, in advance. And it was there was just that expectation that you should just drop everything to go to this last minute mm. teaching session. I mean, I, I just, I, what do they want? Like, do they want you to starve and just, you know, not be able to feed your family? Like, what does this consultant want? And I think it also just speaks to the fact that he must be in quite a privileged position. Like, he's probably never had to worry about feeding his family or feeding himself or paying the bills or anything. Because if mm. you've been in that situation, you'd be like, okay, it's understandable. You've got, you've got, you've got to go to work. To be honest, most students mm. like that I knew through med school as well had some kind of part-time job. And it, it was mm. always to like, you know, because we needed to work. Like I had so many jobs through up med school as well. My parents couldn't really afford to support me. I, I maxed out on the loans and, you know, the maintenance mm. loans and stuff like that. So I just feel like if you know that a student is having to work, it probably means they're not that well off anyway. And then on top of that, it's mm. trying to say you have to make a choice between, you know, feeding yourself or going to med school. I think I know what I would choose, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. But it's I, I just bit, find that whole mental. sentiment. And I've seen that sentiment a number of times where someone's like, but well, you've got to make a choice between medicine and this. You've got to make a choice between medicine and this. It's like, no, you can do both. No. Like what, you know, like yeah. it's what I, I said the other day, like you don't live to work, you work to live. I mean, that's that's the way around it should be. So it's not a case of choosing one or the other. You have to make both work for you. That's what I think anyway. Exactly. And I find Besides, it bizarre we're, we're... when people say that. Yeah. And we're moving away from that whole thing where, like, you know, you can't have a life outside medicine. Like, people don't do that anymore. Like, I, I think it was an episode with Mehul, wasn't it, where he was talking about how junior doctors nowadays, like, the new sort of the new F1s, F2s who are coming in are making that choice more mm. where they choose life over their job. And I think that's a great thing, to be honest. Like, I mean, obviously, we still need to work mm-hmm. like, to earn a living and things, but... If you're, if you, you know, if if you choose to leave at five pm, that shouldn't be penalised. Like you can have other commitments outside of work, and I don't know. Just really hope that things get better and this sort of like outdated mentality gets stamped out. To be honest, and we see it so often, isn't it? Like surgical mm. people telling other surgeons that you know you've got to you've got to be willing to give up this, you've got to be willing to give up that. And I, I always kind of I have joked about this in the past, and I think it's based on something Phil Lee had said in a tweet ages ago when he said like, when can we normalize leaving at five coming in at nine mm. and not doing extra work because actually you know some of us do want to do that and nothing else but then when you've got yeah. other people who are doing this extra bit the extra mile it's like oh god you know what you lot make my life even more difficult than it should be honestly just stop it <laughs> stop at five exactly. and go home please just do it um yeah, yeah like medicine's allowed to just be a regular job you don't have to like kill yourself over it like it can yeah. just be a regular thing that you go to and then forget about when you come back home like i don't know it's i try and live my life that way but it does get hard to you know I think, keep up with everything i think as a senior it gets slightly easier to be able to say no to stuff like i think um mm. you know obviously i can't you know allegedly there may have been a situation where the, you know they needed someone to do something and they're trying to sort of make me do it and i'm like well you know what, like if there's an issue, there's an issue, you need more stuff. I mean, it's got nothing to do with yeah. me. And if you've got a problem with it, and I think someone was having a big, bit of a dig and I was like, well, if you've got a problem with it, go talk to management. You need to highlight this stuff. Mm. You can't be, uh, I'm not here to save the place. I'm not here to save the entire department and the rest of it. That's someone else's job. 
I'm, I'm just here to do my job and move. So, um, yeah, but I think maybe that's easier as, as you're a, when you're a senior. Maybe it's difficult when you're a junior. I'm not sure I could have said or got away with that or felt like I'd get away with that when I was a junior anyway. Um, yeah. I yeah. think you do need a certain size cojones to be able to say stuff like that as an F1 perhaps. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, if I think I was like in the middle, I would say no when people wanted me to pick up like extra shifts or stay longer and stuff, and I'd be like, well, no, I've got, I need my rest, I need my sleep, <laughs> I need, need to eat <laughs> and do whatever else I'm doing in life. Um, especially because F one F two is such a difficult time. You know, you know what I used to do. Uh, where, there, mm. where there's one particular guy I used to work with, and he used to insist on me staying late. I used to start getting deliveries. <laughs> You know, like my ASDA deliveries around like yeah. five o'clock or like five thirty. Like, I've really got to go. Yeah. I've got my deliveries coming. But like this guy gets yeah, my deliveries. Yeah. Like, wow, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that's actually a good feed. way to do it. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. Well, whatever works for uh, us. Like, we should just be able to say no as well, right? Just without any excuse, you should just be able to say, no, I don't, I don't want to do this extra shift or yeah. stay longer. Yeah. Like, I just need to go. And hopefully, that's becoming more normalised. But it feels like it's more acceptable for a locum to come in and say, well, I finish at five and go rather than mm. someone who's actually employed. That's what I feel like. Well, that's what I felt when I was training that it's OK for the locum to leave, but not, it's not OK for me to leave on time because, you know, the locum is mm. getting paid per hour. But actually, you both are, aren't you? Um, but it kind of, you know, that having to choose between, yeah. you know, your career and all that stuff kind of brings us on to uh, Shivani Misra's um, tweet. And she said, mm. uh, I think it's really tough for those having career breaks to have children to then return and see their contemporaries have moved ahead of them. But this does not justify telling those who have progressed that they did so because they had it easy. I don't like these comments. And she goes on to say a lot more, but I think the sentiment is there. I think a lot of people will feel this if they take a career break or, you know, for whatever reason it may be to have children, to have a family, to try something else. Um, and watch their contemporaries go past and well you know i say quotation marks go past um mm -hmm. i've definitely felt that tanya have you been in that situation where you felt in this in this sort of place where people are moving ahead of you i probably feel like that right now to be honest because this is technically my f4 year that i'm doing um so i've got friends who are like entering like sd3 soon and they're going to be registrars and you know i went to med school with them or or like they were my they were junior to me when i you know was working with them uh, and now they're going to be like senior mm. to me so it is interesting seeing that i i mean for me it's not been a case of having children or anything difficult but I mean, in the past, I've had to repeat a year of med school, and that was because of failing by however much percent. Mm. Um, and that was quite painful to see everyone progressing ahead of me. Um, mm. You know, and I guess it's quite easy to think, oh, they had it easy. But also they worked, like people do work hard as well, and you don't know what other things people mm. are going through. Um, mm. But yeah, I think because you just don't know what, what situation someone's in, you can't just assume that everyone who's sort of seem to have had a streamlined uh, progression and is having it easy. So mm. I think it's better to just be like, okay, you know, just that's, that's just the way it is. Don't compare yourself, just go at your own pace and things will work out eventually. Yeah, definitely. I felt, I mean, I've said this before, like you, I failed finals in medical school and then ended up having to repeat the year. Well, I don't know if you felt fine, but I failed and I had to repeat a year. And, um, mm. I, you know, I, this is around Facebook when Facebook was kind of newish. And I remember yeah. like the day after graduation, wow, like all the photos were popping up, all these congratulations, mm. people with their families, all my best mates were having the best time. And I sat yeah. there and I was absolutely distraught. And, um, 
Um, it's you know, tough, I, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it wasn't it was, finals it was for really me, tough. but yeah. Yeah, I had to, it was my third yeah. year for me. Um, really? And like, luckily, luckily I could repeat the year and it was fine after that. Um, but I had friends who had to repeat their final year and I felt that was really painful as well. Just because, you know, I mean, there's, there's that thing, you can reset an exam and then pass after that and you just have your graduation, everything's okay. But I think, because I, I went to George's as well, um, in our final mm. year, we had like this big sort of, like celebration party after find um, after results came out, and I had like mm. some friends who were like, "I'm not going to the party because I failed," and it's just, it was mm. I really felt for them. It was quite hard. Yeah. Mate, I mean, it, yeah. I, think, I still remember this so it's so vividly. Like, uh, I think I had three friends come around. This is this is how bad it got. So I had three oh. friends come around to my house, yeah, to wait yeah. for the results to come in, <laughs> and then the results oh. came in. My mate passed, yeah. then he checked his one, my next one, and then I was the one to fail. And they were oh, like just jumping up and down, punching the air. And I was just like, what the hell just happened? And then they left. I still remember my mum was like, she was really, you know, obviously she was distraught for me and stuff. Mm. And um, I think I avoided people for about two weeks. And I think one of my good friends called me up and said, listen, mate, I know you're going through a tough time, but just mm. come out, meet with us and chill. So I thought, you know what, that's really lovely. Like, a good friend of mine has yeah. you know, called me called me up. And so then I went to this, this guy's flat. I sing outside on the balcony and like everyone yeah. had left. And one particular mate of mine was sitting there and he looks around and then looks at me and goes, you know what, since I passed, life's been amazing. And I went, sorry. Oh. And he goes, yeah, yeah, life's amazing, bro. Like this oh, is the best no. thing that's ever happened to me. And I was oh, like, oh, okay, man. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, and he was like, I've got a DR in front of my name. You know, I've got loads of women coming after me. Oh. I'm going to get a massive car. And I was just like, wow, the man, like, your timing. That's interesting. Thing to yeah, say. yeah, that's no, what he was saying. And I was like, wow, though. man. Yeah, like, yeah. you didn't have anyone before. Like, how do you suddenly get someone now? This is crazy. But um, yeah, he was just going on and on. And I was just sitting there <laughs> and looking around, like, please, someone save me. You know, you're trying to look around for someone. Please get me out of this situation. Jesus. And then I That's had to sit like, there and such a lack of this. awareness. That's crazy. Yeah, it was painful. I still remember it. And sometimes yeah. I still remember um, how painful it is. And I think sometimes people forget that about the ones that get left behind and what it mm. must be like uh, for those people because, you know, it's like your dreams get shattered, don't they? Like you, you, you're mourning yourself, yeah. you're mourning the dreams that you had, the idea, the lifestyle you're going to have. And I mean, obviously now, I mean, for yourself, I'm sure you, you probably look back and with positive like memories, like it built you and made you something else. It gave you something else. And also, like you said already as well, blinkers on, man. You have to go with blinkers mm. through this because not everyone gets everything all the time. You know, the, yeah, uh, you know, exactly. I, I think there's something I, I watched once where I said, if you see someone in a big house and a big car, and you think, oh, they, they can't have any problems. They got it all. But in reality, everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their problems. Even the ones living in the big house, yeah, the absolutely. big car, the big career, they've got their thing. So um, relax. As long as you can yeah. find happiness in your own life, it's all good. That's all yeah. good. And I feel I feel like it's been quite quite nice that you guys uh I remember like even in like the first few episodes or so of this podcast and like failure failure was a topic you guys had discussed quite early on. And I think yeah. I'd messaged either you or Sarusha, I can't remember who, being like, Oh, that really resonates with me because I didn't have an easy time going through med school and stuff. And I don't know, I think uh, social media makes it harder when because people do use social media as a way of like celebrating their achievements and things. Um, so it's nice mm. when, you know, you can see people sharing times where they've not, you know, been so successful and like how they may have come out of that and things. Or even if they haven't and they're just going through it now, like just being able to give them support, mm. like get support from 
whatever social media platform you're on. I think Twitter is quite nice yeah. in that respect. Like I do see a lot of people talk about having a tough time and, you know, exams not mm. going so well and things. And I feel like it, it does help having that at least. It's really, it's, uh, I think it's unrealistic to think that you're never going to fail anything in life. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. be exams or something. So I think um, the sooner you get, I think someone said to me, be comfortable with being uncomfortable and keep moving. Yeah. And then that's, that's pretty much it. Like it was uncomfortable, but you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. And I think in reality, the only thing that really gets you through any of that is perseverance. And that's the biggest lesson mm. that I ever got in life through so much is perseverance get, can basically win you anything. Um, if you really pushed your mind to it within reason, obviously, like, you know, that, I'm never going to be the rapper I'd like to be, but you know, there's still the possibility. You never know. <laughs> you never know, man. Maybe <laughs> your rapping career could take off, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with the perseverance thing though, for sure. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I'm just speaking keep perseverance. It. I'm speaking mm -hmm. perseverance. I mean, persevering through, through TTOs. TTOs, they can be different, oh, yeah. can't they? You've got so many they TTOs to do and you've got to persevere <laughs> your way through it. I'm not uh, sure about that segue, I'll be one. honest. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so this yeah. was uh, another post. Oh, let me let me get it up again. Uh, it was on the Junior Doctor subreddit. Again, we've got a few things mm -hmm. from there, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good, it's good it was, material. Yeah, yeah good, good content, good content. Um, so <laughs> there's been an, so this one person uh, who's an FY1 spoke about how they've been having issues with a couple of nurses on the surgical rotation. Um, there's been a lot of pressure to get TTOs done and often they um, are kind of being hassled about getting these TTOs done even during protected teaching times, which mm. um, is quite big issue to be honest because if it, if that teaching time is protected you should not be being hassled about it getting TTOs done but it seemed like this this uh, this one person was just having an issue with a particular nurse who seemed to just constantly be hassling them um, and I just think we've all kind of been there haven't we like as yeah, a, as a poor F1 it's like 5pm mm. and they're like oh my god there's three patients who are going to go home and the, pharma uh, the pharmacy closes at 5.30 and all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always a bit of a nightmare, yeah. but I think if it's, I mean, normally like they they kind of know ahead of time why they're hassling you at the last minute. They should be, you know, everyone should be sort of aware that this is happening today. Like this patient's going home today or whatever. So I feel like to hassle someone at the last minute is just a bit, I don't know, yeah, it's a bit not, harsh, not great. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, it's it's pressure from everywhere, isn't it? Uh, because like mm. the thing is that that person who's asking you to do these TTOs, they've only got their own pressure, their own things to think about. So they've got like a billion things to do, and they've got these TTOs, right? That's it. Yeah. They don't care about what what's your problem or what you're up to. They just want these TTOs done, no matter what. And um, and then yeah. that become they try and make it your problem, uh, and and you kind of you kind of got to stand your ground, especially when it comes to teaching. Teaching is hard to get, you know, uh, especially when mm. you you start working, right? Like when you're a med student, there's like teaching sessions left, right, and center. You're bunking this, whatever. <laughs> but when you're a senior, it's hard, right? It's hard to get yeah. any good teaching from anyone, uh, and so that's like gold yeah, dust time, right? And so yeah. if someone tries to take that away from you, that that ain't cool, man. Exactly. And I remember when I was in F1, F2, our teaching time was basically our lunch break. So everyone would just bring their lunches to teaching, would eat and then go back to work. So it's not even like mm. you've had a proper break at all. You've just been teaching. So your brain is constantly mm. engaged. You've not really had 
your 30 minute break or whatever you're supposed to have um yeah. so we, we kind of already make sacrifices as it is with regards to that and i think yeah we only got once a week teaching um like it and we have to fulfill a certain quota of hours to get your arcp mm. and everything so for you know for people to hassle you and ask you to do ttos when you're supposed to be getting your teaching hours in is just not on really TTOs, man. You know, like most mm. most Hate kind TTOs. of jobs. Exactly. <laughs> most jobs you kind of feel like, yeah, you could learn something small from it, maybe. But TTOs, like yeah. there's literally, what, what can you learn from that? There's I just nothing. don't understand. There's nothing. There is literally nothing to come from doing TTOs, is there? Um, Especially when uh, the patient's got like a billion controlled drugs that you need to write out properly and then write your signature on and everything. This is yeah, my least yeah. favorite part of F1 FT. <laughs> I mean, does this happen anymore where if you get blood results, you've got to actually put a signature. They print them all out and leave it in the doctor's office and you've got to... We had to actually literally oh write a signature on every single one. It was like really? massive wads of paper. I had to spend the, like, you know, some of the time just sort of just scribbling something that looked like my name on like hundreds of bits of paper. It was horrible. And then, yeah. That doesn't sound fun. Do it, I've never had trouble. to do that. <laughs> really? No, I've never had got to do that. Got away with it, mate. Thankfully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had it easy, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, you had it easy. You lot got it so easy. But um, speaking of not having it so easy, what about when a cannula, you know, trying to get a cannula in? Um, there was a tweet about mm-hmm. that, wasn't there? Did you see that one? Um, there was. I did see that one. Yeah. Um, like, so I, I feel like because I'm currently working in like anesthetic site to you, that kind of specialty. And I've been mm. in that for like an hour, for, for like about a year or so as a clinical uh, fellow. An hour. So <laughs> an hour, yeah. Hour. I don't know what I was about to say now. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, a slight, a bit more than an hour. Um, but I, so, I mean, I've, you know, been using ultrasounds quite a lot. And, you know, when I'm on call, sometimes I do get bleeped um, asking to help this poor F1 out who's tried like a billion times to get cannula in. Mm. And I'll be like, okay, fine. I'll rock up with the ultrasound machine, bang in the cannula. Um, really and I nice. think, yeah, well, sometimes, sometimes it's work, sometimes. Like, we won't talk about <laughs> the other times. Um, but I, I feel like it's, I do really feel for people who had to be in that situation because firstly, the patient's having a horrible time. And I think mm. we... I think it's easy for us to just not think of the patient's distress in that situation. Like, mm. you don't want your patient to be literally crying because you've stabbed them like 20 times um, yeah. and stuff like that. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, that's, that's a person who's experiencing a lot of pain, you know, with all the repeated attempts. Um, but I think also the F words, F, or whoever it is, SHOs, even sometimes seem more senior than that, if they keep trying as well, it can be quite mm. frustrating and get really stressed and you become more stressed and therefore you're less likely to get the, the cannula in. But also sometimes mm. it's just the patient just doesn't have veins and it's and then that means that, you know, that's already an indication for possibly getting a pick line or something else in. Um, yeah, and yeah. by which point, you know, are you going to achieve anything by standing there, like trying another 20 times because someone's told you to. I think if you know that someone is, you know, hasn't got the best, you know, best veins and rather than getting to that point where everyone's in distress, maybe just escalate it up and, you know, put that referral in for a pick line or whatever you need. Especially if you know you're going to have to bleed this patient a lot or like administer IV antibiotics or whatever, then I think it's better just to like get that stuff sorted out earlier rather than later. But there is that sort of attitude where, you know, my seniors have also said to me before, like, oh, keep trying, keep trying, and then I'll try. And if we don't try, then we'll bleed anesthetics or something. 
And then mm. I've done that and then everyone's failed and then you believe anesthetics and then they get sometimes give you a bit of a hard time as well, you know, the whole we're not a cannula service thing. But I feel like that often <laughs> they, we don't <laughs> <laughs> well, I, won't, I won't comment on that bit, but um, I feel like to get to the <laughs> to get to the point where you've had to bleep the, the anaesthetist to get a line in, like mm. I think most people have had to go. Um, mm. But I just feel like there's there's quite a lot of issues there, isn't there? And I just think you just need to be more mindful that you're causing distress to multiple people, <laughs> not just yeah, the patient. True. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, but this is based on a tweet from. This is based on a tweet from Sarah 16107480. A plea on behalf yep. of patients with difficult access everywhere. Please don't send the FY1 when the last mm. few cannula have been need, have needed the reg plus or minus ultrasound. It destroys the FY1's confidence, wrecks the few remaining veins and wastes everyone's time. And then saying to yeah. them, just have a go. Don't worry. If you don't get it, it isn't very patient friendly. My feet hurt. I may be having a small strop this evening. Uh, hopefully you're feeling better, Sarah, but... um. I think we've all yeah. been there, haven't we? Like um, having a difficult cannula, people are trying and trying and trying. And sometimes you've got to be like, listen, we are dealing with a, a human being and um, mm. we've got to, you know, the last thing we want to do is make things diff- you know, painful. It's not nice getting getting stabbed. Uh, have you ever exactly. had a cannula in? I have, yeah. I, I had to have like... Yeah, um, painful, I had to go man. On, Yeah, I had to have an OGD where I just got cannula done there. That was fine. But there was one mm. time where I had to have like a small procedure done and the, the anesthetist mm. missed my vein and I had like a big hematoma over there. And oh. I was like, ow, this actually hurts. And surprisingly, yeah. just um, having things administered as well via cannula can be quite painful. Like you just don't realise mm. it, but they can be really uncomfortable if, they, if it's quite a small vein as well. Um, and I yeah. feel like people quite that people dismiss pain quite easily, you know, especially when it comes from like women, yeah. women of colour, like pain does get dismissed quite a lot. I think we just all just need to be a bit more conscientious about it, really. God, you can see I'm so, kind yeah. of feeling a little queasy <laughs> in the background here. I don't like the sight of blood. I don't like hearing about a needle. That's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't mind stabbing you if you said, look, can you uh, put a cannula Please into me? Please don't stab I'm me. Yeah, fine. <laughs> no, I won't. I mean, not without the ultrasound Thanks. probe. But, um, you know, I don't mind doing steroid injections. But when people start talking about, you know, taking blood from me, like, no, no. <laughs> don't do it. I don't like it. It makes me feel a bit, oh, it makes me feel sick. Do you man. have decent veins? Uh, mate, I've got pipes, man. <laughs> of course I do. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to like, do the gun show now. I've done that once. I've got too much Yeah, exactly. Got you um, into trouble, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. It did, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We um, also had um, quite a big thing that turned up this week and it was about speaking languages, okay, languages Mm -hmm. in the workplace. So um, there was a trust that had this sign up and it said English is the only language to be spoken in the ward area. This includes Mm -hmm. the kitchen. Disciplinary action will be taken against staff who do not comply, including agency and bank matron. Um, Not entirely the most welcoming... sign that you'll ever see no no yeah. no i just don't just i just don't know how to like even convey how upset i was by seeing that sign um mm. i just yeah i think uh, so i think partha who um is very big on like anti-racism things in the nhs and he's mm. he's doing great work with that um i think he yeah, actually definitely. reached out to the trust that was responsible for the policies and things. Mm. I think someone took a screenshot of the policy that um, that trust actually had and it said something like, oh, I will like endeavour to communicate in English where possible and stuff. 
Mm. And I just think, yeah. firstly, it's just it just smacks of racism. Like there's this matron who's just uncomfortable that other people are speaking in language that she can't understand. And it reminds her that, you know, there are mm. people who aren't, you know, aren't her basically working around. I just think... Yeah. Oh, it's just, just, oh man, I'm so annoyed. Um, and I, I don't know, is is it really her business what people are saying outside of like patient communication? Really, like if someone's talking and like having a chat with their with their colleague in the kitchen, mm. and they specified even in the kitchen, right? Like, does that really concern yeah, her? Yeah. Like, like what is the problem here? Like, you know, what she's scared of? Or he? It did remind me of something that happened to me gender. years ago in med in mm-hmm. in med school, and I was with I was hanging out at my mate's flat. And then he's Bengali and I'm Bengali and I think we're talking to each other. I think we might have been playing poker or something. Okay, the truth was I was cheating um, <laughs> by speaking Bengali to this other guy. And then I could see the guy that couldn't speak Bengali is getting pretty annoyed. And then um, I realised that and then we had to start the game over and I you know, apologised and said, like, I was just playing around, sorry about that, mate. And then um, we started speaking Bengali again and I assured him, we're not talking about you, we're just talking about something else. And I quickly spoke and then we're walking out and this guy came up to me and goes, you know what, Imran, I'm really upset with you. And I was like, why? And he goes, you know, you kept speaking your own language, I really didn't like that at all and I found I found that really uncomfortable. And I couldn't understand what the issue was. And then I kind of mm. felt as though, okay, I guess he's of that predisposition that he's worried that people are talking about him. He's already quite a nervous yeah. person. And um, he doesn't like it. So personally, I've actually made the point that if I am in company with other people that speak Bengali and uh, someone that doesn't, I would purposely not speak Bengali because I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable in any way. And I don't know, is that is that a bad thing or a good thing? Like, am I playing to their to their um, paranoias? I, it's just because that one experience, that one time with that one person, he was so yeah. upset. And he's a good friend of mine. We're still good friends. And he was mm. so upset. And he, no matter what I said to him about, look, I would definitely wasn't talking about you. And he goes, yeah, but I felt left out. It wasn't nice. He went on and on and on. I was like, all right, mate. Yeah. Like, I won't do it again. I promise I'll never do it again. And I haven't done it since. I don't know. Uh, maybe well, that's I think the difference. From. Yeah, I think there are some differences, though, isn't it? Like, that, your situation was like a group of, what, three friends and then two of you could speak Bengali and, you, you know, the other person couldn't. I think that's a bit yeah. different to putting up and a I'll sign cheat. in a kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. cheat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's a bit different asking colleagues at work to not speak whatever language they're speaking in. Like, I, I, you yeah. know. There is a lot of that feeling of exclusion. I understand that. But I mean, mm. like if someone's just having like a friendly chat amongst themselves, you're not included in that chat, then why does it matter? Like if you're feeling excluded. But like... some people, FOMO, FOMO, the feeling of being <laughs> left out. <laughs> well, just even just walking no, just into the kitchen around. being like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> being left out. You know, yeah, it's just. Oh man, I had this one mate. He was he was so funny. He 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 was telling me that like uh, he didn't get along with the rest of his firm for some reason. They didn't they didn't include him anything. Uh, they kept right. it, like ignoring him and uh, stuff like that. And so one day he was walking up to the kitchen and you could hear them having this massive laugh and giggling and joking and stuff like that. And then he walked yeah. into the kitchen. They all went quiet. <laughs> and he went, oh, no, all right, guys. And they all looked at oh. him, all right, mate. And then they were like, okay. And so he kind of heated his microwave and he got his food and he oh. walked out and then the, the raucous laughter started again. And he was just like, oh, man. ouch, ouch, the pain. <laughs> but the, would it have even been any better if you're talking English or not? I feel like it would have just been yeah, as painful. Yeah, it's true, I guess. Yeah, no, they, were speaking, they were speaking English. They were definitely speaking English and they just did yeah. not like him. That was the weirdest thing oh. about that guy that was my friend, um, I got along with him really well, but it seemed to me that mm. other people didn't like him all that much. Oh, and he was always kind of being left out and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I must have missed well, something about him. But 
Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> well, maybe it everyone else is missing something uh, about him and they were in the wrong and you were in the right. Let's go with that angle instead. Oh, that's always the way to go with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I'm always up for that, yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, something that's a bit of a shame, uh, it said um, there was a tweet that went out, which is kind of talking about the junior doctor jobs. Uh, did you see this one? I'll read it out. Um, when I was young, this is from Mark Gaze. Um, when I was young, it seemed like the nation needed doctors, so it paid for me to become one. Nowadays, it seems that people work to fund themselves through medical school by having a job and missing teaching sessions, mm -hmm. which is fine. And then, <laughs> to, and then the nation decides it doesn't need all the new doctors. How in God's name do we let this happen and then yeah, yeah it goes on to tweet and give some statistics here like six thousand more doctors in general practice six thousand more primary care professionals etc etc I mean, we need health professionals don't we but it mm. seems like they're kind of going into nothingness is that right that is that what's going on well it's been a hot topic lately because of the um the fact that 800 uh, potential you know um F1s are missing out on a guaranteed place. Well, they're put on the reserve list for the UK Foundation programme, at least. Um, mm. They've been told that they will be allocated a place, but I think last episode, Bethan and uh, Nina covered it quite well. Like, you know, there's a lot of stress involved with that, isn't it? So mm. it's not, not guaranteed that you know where you're going to be and stuff. But I think it's it does speak to the fact that, you know, we're just there's, there's such a mismatch between... The fact that the nation is apparently running out of doctors, we don't have enough doctors, all leaving, going elsewhere, and then not enough training places, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like I'm, mm. I've had to go through the sort of like the application process this year for like specialty training, and I think mm. there was something like thirty six thousand applicants this year overall. That was an increase of like six thousand from last year, and numbers wow. have not increased to accommodate for that. So just it's just there's an air of like uncertainty and stress because everyone's like, well, we don't know if we're going to get, you know, if we're going to get um, a place in a training program at all. And then, you know, yeah, it just yeah. breeds a lot of discontent, I think. For sure. I think, you know, um, I, I think Bethan really hit the nail on the head last week when she I mean, obviously, it's not great. Of course, it's not great. But um, things do work out for the best really they do and she was talking about how she ended up going to Liverpool it wasn't her first choice place but now she actually lives in Liverpool she likes Liverpool and all that kind of thing and um, mm. I think as medics we do have a bit of a treadmill and in some ways we don't like that treadmill in some some ways we do in terms of the fact that like you know, uh, we get into med school, you're kind of guaranteed to become a doctor and then you're guaranteed to be an F1 or F2 somewhere, somewhere in the world. Mm. And then you will probably get into some sort of specialty somewhere, maybe not the one that you entirely want. And that sort of uncertainty does uh, really great on medics, I felt. And, I, I've, I'm, and I'm, I'm not speaking as in terms of, oh, you, you young people should know what you did. I went through that. I exa exactly the same thing happened to me. Um, I did have a job in Royal Blackburn Hospital, uh, for, firstly, when I originally applied for my F1 job, and I wasn't happy about it. I was actually pretty distraught, and I thought it was the worst thing that was ever going to happen to me, ever. Like, it was it was the worst <laughs> thing. I felt like my life had been, like, completely ruined. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I failed my finals and had to reapply and ended up going somewhere else. But um, I kind of look back and wish I did go. It would have been a nice experience, you know. I've always mm. been a London guy. Now I've never really left London. Getting out of the London bubble, like, oh, yeah. It would have been good. Yeah, it would have yeah. been good. It would have been a forced experience that, like, I would never have. And you can only grow from uncomfortable experiences like that, you know. I really, Absolutely. yeah, it's a shame. I, it's a shame. I was in that London bubble as well because 
grew up in London. I was born in Homerton, which was mentioned earlier. Shout out mm. Homerton Hospital. Um, yeah, and then whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> whoop, whoop. And then went to George's. That was also London. So it was only at age 24 that I left and went to, I went and did my fun F2 in the east of England. And mm. then, uh, and now I'm in the west of England, so slightly, slightly further away. But it's quite good to get mm. out of that bubble, I think, and like, you know, take yourself out of the comfort zone that you've always known and stuff like that. And to be honest, with like public transport and if you can drive as well, like stuff becomes a lot easier. You can you can kind of just go back and see your friends and family quite easily. Mm. But I appreciate sometimes, you know, people have other things like, you know, whether they've got family commitments yeah, yeah, or. Definitely. Or like health as well, health reasons might mean that they need to stay in a particular place. Mm. Um, lots of things. So I, I understand that. But if you if you can, I think it's always good to push your boundaries and check yeah. out other, other things as well. Yeah, definitely. I, do, I think so. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously, yeah, there is that situation where, you know, you've got a family, you've got, you've got kids maybe, and, and then that mm. makes it difficult. And hopefully there is a contingency for that because obviously you don't be walking around the entire country when you've got kids in school and stuff like that. But if you're able yeah. to, if you, you know, if you can, I would highly recommend just getting out your bubble and going somewhere you've never been before and meeting new people. And that's something I deeply, deeply regret because um, it's very unlikely I'm going to be leaving London now. Uh, very, very unlikely. Mm. Uh, the only times I ever leave London is to go to Essex, and that's not exactly leaving London, is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it really isn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just get there, and it's like, it's a weird part of London, though. It's just a whole load of roundabouts. That's what I always feel. Did you notice that about? <laughs> yeah, about... There's so many roundabouts, yeah. especially in the in the hospital that we both used to work at. Yeah. Um, it was just so many around that area. And, yeah, just driving back, like, because now if I do the odd locum shift I always go back to my parents I have to get back on the M25 and drive home mm. um, and it's always just a lot it's just always a lot of like heavy traffic and everything which is not great but oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> it's yeah. nice to live close by to whatever hospital you're working at and be able to walk there I think well actually I'd counter that I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was doing a long commute because now I listen to loads of podcasts and loads of oh. uh, audiobooks and I'm not one for reading and now I've read so many books like, I'll churn through like a book a week or something it's really really good it's been it's been really really beneficial for me so uh, but I'm you don't do glad. nights and long shifts and like horrible yeah, on calls I, I do nights you know? <laughs> I do nights but for a different kind of but um, not not those kind of nights though like <laughs> <laughs> you do your cushy nights or whatever you do all right relax yeah it's not that cushy <laughs> yeah, you know I'm sitting here reporting away in the middle of the night for you lot <laughs> are you are you in hospital or are you sitting at home though no comment exactly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've seen my desk setup. I know setup. all your secrets. Yeah, you know, I know all you've your seen secrets. my desk setup. Yeah, no, it's it's quite nice. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> I don't know why anyone wouldn't do radiology. I've told you, Tanya, do it, man. Honestly, you could you man, could literally finish that's... your shift. Yeah, you switch off the computer, turn your desk, switch on your gaming computer, play for a couple of hours, <laughs> and then go to sleep next door. That's how you could live your life. But no, Look, you want to go in. You want to help people. Go ahead, carry on. <laughs> save lives, God. Oh, yeah. so I'm boring, saving lives. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing your bit, I guess. Like I have to, I've had to like call you up and be like, "Yo, you made a mistake on this report, though." Yeah, and more than that, you you DM me you. on Twitter, uh, mate. Do you want to check that report? You might have had a typo. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I do remember that. It's really funny because my colleagues were also like, what does he mean? I don't understand what this means. And yeah. I was like, I know the guy. Let me ask him. Let me just DM him, Ron, and ask him to put an addendum on that. I was like, all right, thanks, Exactly. Mate. That's what Twitter's for. Um, yeah. 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 But no, I think I'll find radiology boring. I'm very sorry. No, 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 it's not. You, got, you make it what it is. You make it what it is. You, you yeah. do podcasts, YouTube, and all the rest of it to make yourself happy. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of um, maybe slightly cushy, 
is betting against the NHS came up. Uh, one billion uh, pound private hospital to open in central London. US-owned Cleveland yeah. Clinic London is in talks about providing care for NHS patients, but critics fear moves to a two-tier health system. Yeah, um, and they're saying um, Buckingham, this place is near Buckingham Palace and will be treated by doctors understood to be paid up to 350 grand a year. Yeah, sounds legit. Fair enough. Yeah, well, it's quite quite a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds almost like American doctor level money, but yeah, Mate, I don't yeah, know if it's yeah. too good to be true. It's not. I'm, I'm sure that's entirely <laughs> possible. That's entirely possible, especially if you uh, worked mainly private, then it's entirely possible. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. again, it depends on what kind of subspecialty you do, but 350, yeah. I'm, I'm very sure that's going to be entirely possible for someone if they do that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, people don't like that. People don't like this. Uh, they seem to be very sort of um, uncomfortable with the idea of a big private hospital uh, you know, and the idea of a two-tier system when it comes to healthcare. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Tanya? Well, I mean, uh, what, I've saw, I saw that episode and this is going to hurt. I mean, spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen it. But there's there's an episode where um, our main character goes to the uh, local private hospital. Mm. Um, and then there are quite quite a number of problems that occur, but also it does show you like the more cushy side. Like, you know, he only had one patient to look after the whole shift and yeah. he was sitting in, in a nice, like, almost like hotel room, getting his mm. food delivered to him and yeah. and all of that. Um, and uh, I just feel like uh, it does paint like that did sort of paint that picture to me like you know they might be quite nice on the outside but then when shit actually hits the fan Hmm. don't know if they would be the best option for you really and I think um, in this article I think there's been some there was some discussion about how um, they feel you know, other doctors and might going away from the NHS, you know, given the fact that so many, like so much of our training is funded for by the NHS, whether mm. we have an obligation to work in the NHS mm. as a result of that. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that really. Um, what do you I, think? I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think by the time you've got mm. to the very end, you've more than paid your dues, mate. I mean, the night shifts, mm. the weekends, the extra work you've done. I mean, the people you've drafted. I, I personally feel that you've done your dues. It's time to kind of uh, do what's best for you. And, um, you know, ideally, if you can do a combination of the two, you know, do a, bit, do a bit of private and do a bit of, you know, do a bit of NHS. Obviously, I do know people who've gone fully, fully private and they're doing very well for themselves. Uh, it's each to their own. I mean, each has got their own uh, positive negatives. But, um, you know, if someone's going to, I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, I feel like money talks. And if someone's going to leave to make 350K in a year, Go for it, mate. Whatever, mate. Just do what you got to do exactly. to work. Do whatever works for you. Don't worry about everyone else and what they think. Um, exactly. You got to do what works for you, genuinely. Because um, if you don't look after yourself, no one else will. And uh, especially yeah. the NHS. The NHS won't look after you if something goes wrong. In some ways they do, Absolutely. but some ways they don't. So you got to. And there's pros and cons to all of this. So, yeah. No, I 100% agree with that. And also, I just feel like there's so many issues with the fact that the NHS is a monopoly employer. Like we don't have any other options really, so I think there there will always be some pushback when there are other options. Like there's private hospital and people will be like, oh, what's going on here? But mm. actually, it's probably good that there is that challenge because it might mean that actually the NHS has to start thinking about paying us competitive rates and the things. Oh, wouldn't that be know? amazing? So, wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, could yeah, you imagine? <laughs> exactly, but I guess that's only if there's enough of them around. I don't know, but. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's an entirely bad thing. So, I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna just say that. 
I mean, the that TV show, This Is Gonna Hurt, was um, I kind of painted a picture of it, which is kind of quite negative, and it doesn't always have to be negative. Mm. Also, it depends on the person, how you do it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I mean, obviously, I can't say too much, but <clears throat> I was in a similar situation to the main character where I was walking around looking at a potential place to work, and um, it is completely different. It's completely different. Mm. Like the the patients aren't called patients; they're called clients, <laughs> and they're not yeah, allowed to see other clients in the same corridor. So you've got to time the way you walk so that you don't bump into anyone else and um, mm. they sit with you go through the it's, it's a completely different world and you you really kind of sit there and you wish to God that you wish that one day every single person could have this kind of treatment but in the world that we live in that's not possible it's just not possible and it's a shame no. but it's an amazing thing to see uh, from the other side but there's, there's different aspects of care isn't it there's like care mm. with the actual kind of surgery operation or whatever but then there's also care which is like the hospitality side of things and in the private sector, mm. you will definitely get the hospitality. You definitely get the meals and, yeah. and the rest of it. And that's what people want sometimes. They don't, they're not too bothered about sometimes, the outcomes. Yeah. They want the care, they, as in the care yeah. of the nice hotels and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it feels like a dodgy subject sometimes. People don't always like <laughs> talking about it. So before I get cancelled, let's, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move <laughs> on. Let's move on. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, the thing, about, the thing I will say about the private sector versus the NHS, like when you're in the private sector, there's, there is the issue of like, you know, are they going to back you if something goes wrong, you know, and you could mm. potentially lose your practicing rights if something does go wrong. Kind of like getting fired. And um, there was a tweet about getting fired by Zoom. Did you see that, um, um, Tanya? Did you see that tweet about, um, yeah. Oops, I did, yeah. Immaculate it. segue, immaculate. <laughs> it was like smooth like butter. Um, yes, yeah, so it was uh, It was something about um, a bunch of employees um, in like a ferry sort of company. Um, it was uh, P&O had... ferries. Yeah, staff were informed. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so ab- about 800 people got made redundant and mm. they were told this over Zoom basically fired over Zoom and there was a video posted um, with the boss saying that your last day of employment is today. Wow. And it's just, it does kind of like remind you just we're a bit privileged as medics that this probably will never happen to us. Really. Very unlikely. Could, very it unlikely. was very unlikely unless mm. you've done something egregious that requires you being fired on the spot. Yeah. You're not going to make be made redundant, are you? So, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember during the pandemic, <laughs> I felt people. so lucky because I was talking to my next door neighbor who runs a building firm and he was telling mm. me that like basically because of the pandemic, there's no work and he's in trouble. And I thought, man, I never even thought of that. Like, I'm so privileged that I'm just seeing mm. her doing my scans, going into work, coming out. There's like, there's literally no no worry along the lines of like where my next job and paycheck's going to be. It's there. Yeah. It's always there. Like, it's just a constant, uh, which is a, a positive about working in the NHS. And um, yeah, we forget like how privileged we are. And um, my wife used to work in the city. She was telling me people used to get fired by text message. Like, don't come into work mm. today. You, there was no job for you. And there was someone yeah. that she used to work with, used to work for the bank for like 15, 20 years. And they were in the middle of a meeting and then he got called mm. out and got fired. And they said so they're closing their department. And then they decided each one of the department were getting pulled out and just told to go home because they're closing wow. down that, that part of the business. And it didn't matter. He'd been there for 15 years. They couldn't care less. He's no longer making money. Mm. Therefore, it's not he's not needed and he moved on. It's um it's brutal out there, man. Yeah. It's brutal. It, it is really brutal. Is. Yeah, yeah. As bad as... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it can get it can be really bad out there. Um, I think the pandemic really highlighted just you know how secure we are working in healthcare. 
um i just yeah i really feel for these people like my no one in my family is a medic apart from me so mm. i mean i mean luckily my mum works in school and stuff so her job was pretty secure but my um yeah my dad works for like a coffee company so it was a bit touch mm. and go for him as well but yeah it's just a it's quite difficult I think when you're not working in such a stable environment, like if you have like a mortgage to pay, what are you supposed to do if you lose your job or if you've got kids to feed and things like that? It's just, I can imagine yeah, exactly. it being a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. When you when you're in the NHS, you you um, you kind of got that kind of guaranteed base. You got your base sort of thing, mm. and whatever you do outside of that, if you have got your little hustles on the side, you go for it. But at least you've got a base to to work off and know that you can fall back on it. Um, and then I remember during the pandemic, there's loads of cool stuff going on. There was like free donuts, free macadies. Uh, you know, <laughs> my kid left. My kid left the was playing in the car, and they left the lights on, and the car went dead. So I had to call the AA, and. Oh. Um, I thought, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a healthcare worker. And they came out straight away. They fixed it. They Good didn't day. know I didn't need to go into work for like another week, but they fixed it straight away. <laughs> didn't I didn't know you're a radiologist. Key worker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't tell them that. I was like, no, I'm a key worker. I sort out my car out and they sorted it out for free. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, great time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've missed out on all the free food, unfortunately, being gluten-free. So a lot of the pastries oh, yeah, and yeah. things I couldn't eat. It was so sad, oh. but also probably better <laughs> for my waistline and cholesterol levels. But, well. <laughs> Oh dear. Fair enough. Fair enough. Shout out to all the other celiacs out there. <laughs> yeah, shout out to all the celiacs. Represent. Um, exactly. So we did want to hit a big subject this week. So a lot of allegedly's, apparently's, possibly's mm. are going to be uh, coming up to this one. I guess uh, we're talking about sort of um, when well, we all don't get along. Should we say it like that? We don't get we don't get along yeah. quite as well as we'd like to. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've had situations on Twitter. We kind of don't get along. We don't always agree with one another. And we may tweet, subtweet, you know, and I find myself very, I had a very difficult week on Twitter this week. I had no idea what people were talking about. I was consistently finding myself have to do like go back and go back and go back again to find out who and what on earth is going on. But anyway, yeah. there was allegedly some arguments that may have happened online that kind of ended up infiltrating to outside of the online world and to mm. work life. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, things were getting really tense out there and people were really at it over each other about what was said and what wasn't said. Um, and it kind of brings us on to, I guess, difficult personalities and how to get along with them maybe or not get along with them, what to do. So Tanya, um, mm. yeah, how you... Are you Feel free to broach us as best as you can. <laughs> <laughs> so keeping it vague because, you know, the nature of the topic can be quite volatile, I guess. Um, so uh, it's been spoken about before on this podcast, but there have been people who may have decided to contact employers um, or, you know, GMCs and things like that about people who they disagree with on Twitter. Um, and I think recently there was there's there's there a bit of discussion about whether Med Twitter is a toxic place to be and whether there's bullying instances and things like that. Mm. Um, I'm going to try and keep it as vague as possible because I actually did get fairly involved in this conversation. <laughs> um, but I think there was also a certain person who we felt was making claims that Med Twitter was very you know, toxic and had like a lot of instances of bullying, which when you look into the issue, actually, the person making those claims may have also been involved in making the GFC and employment sort of, you know, complaints themselves, mm. which I, you know, 
can you call that bullying? I, I think you can call, probably call that bullying when it gets to the point where it's like almost harassment, right? Mm. Um, again, keeping it very vague, just, just in general terms, I don't think it's okay to contact people's um, place of employment if you disagree with them on Twitter over quite minor things. Like, I don't know what you think is acceptable to be... Yeah, I think, I mean, it has to be something major, isn't it? If you're going to bring in the GMC, Mm. like, uh, I mean, it would have to be some very, very odd views or, I don't know, like something very, very racist or something that makes you worried about patient safety. I mean, that would be something that I would, I would genuinely, I would consider talking to the GMC if I saw someone was spewing out something hateful that I would worry about their patients. I'd be like, you know what, this person's going to be a problem. You know, I'm worried about them. But it's going to be something Mm. minor about like, you know, I don't know if someone says something. Like, oh, radiology is boring. I'm like, yeah, good. That's a nice one. I never heard that one before. Move on. Or you know, it's like whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just Twitter. Who cares? Like, relax. But um, mm. yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like um, social media can be taken a bit too seriously sometimes. And then, and then on top of that, if someone takes it so seriously that they are going to take it to you know higher levels to employ employers, employ employment. You know places and stuff it starts to um take the fun away and take away the possibility of having any sort of fun and discussion and stuff like that and obviously mm. there are there'll be lines that are crossed and we all should know when that is and be willing to to take that on board um but i don't know i think it's like med school in general though isn't it like i don't know tanya mm. i don't know what st george's are like but i definitely met some very <laughs> very odd people in med school very very weird um, oh, definitely you know, and you know, people who are very willing to take take you out for no reason like you know i was the bottom rung i was like literally the bottom rung of the med school <laughs> and they'll still try and take me out. i'm like dude if you take me out where am i going to fall to i'm still going to be scurrying on the bottom Can't go no any lower than this. This. Yeah, yeah exactly like why are you doing this you know they'll be yeah. like organizing teaching things and not inviting me or not telling me and then pretending that they had oh. and i'm like this is a weird game <laughs> yeah but i um, think um yeah. It kind of just um, it, it speaks to a bit more about that whole general topic of like vexatious referrals and things like that, and whether there's anything that GMCs or like NHS trusts can do when they get something like that. I don't think it happens a lot to individual trusts, to be honest. I think it's quite rare mm. for that to happen. But I imagine the GMC get quite a lot of vexatious referrals. Yeah, I'm um, sure they do. And I. Th- and I think there has been some work being done, you know, since the whole Philip Lee thing and all that stuff. I think there has been, they've been doing some stuff behind the, the you know, behind the, um, what's the phrase? I got them, I can't remember, I've got a brain fart right now. <laughs> behind the... Yeah, it's fine. Behind the scenes. Anyway, behind the scenes, there you go. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing some work into tackling vexatious referrals and whether they will have like, I personally think they need to have like a, a team dedicated to that because A, you need to understand what, what social media is about. You can't be like someone who's never looked at a computer and then, then you know, rifling through all these um, referrals. You need yeah, to understand what, is what Twitter thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, they're not being very nice. Let this referral go to your tribunal. Um, but you need someone who understands <laughs> like what discussions are being had and like how the discussions work and at what point does it become problematic. Um, and I think if you're if you are somebody who feels like they should just be able to complain to someone's employer because you just didn't like the person or you didn't like the fact that you're being criticised about a valid point. I don't think that's a legit reason to go to someone's employer, really. And I think it's quite poor to do that, especially because there's so much... We've seen so much happen in terms of, you know, doctors... It can really affect mental health and people have Mm. ended up committing suicide over it. And I think if you're making those kind of 
referrals, knowing all that, then it's just, it's just poor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, look, with the Philip Lee thing, he got, um, I think someone tagged the GMC when he was saying something about um, closing your pie holes during COVID, you know, and, um, you know, you come for the king. Phil Lee, I mean, mm. you know, that's that's a different level, right? But the the problem maybe is if, um, let's say, someone of Phil Lee's position or maybe a reg or a, a SHO or someone like that went for a, a medical student or, yeah. you know, or something like that, you know, that's, an F1. that's a scary thing. Yeah, an F1, exactly. it's a scary place to be. And I I mean, I've mentioned this before in, in the past where I, I may have had a Facebook group where I may have been talking about not liking dogs and someone allegedly. may have tried to <laughs> allegedly report me to the medical school and may, I was so scared. I was so scared. As oh. soon as they said, I'm going to report you to UCL, I was like, oh, you know, there you go. You're scurrying along the bottom of med school. The last thing you want is some sort of something like that coming your way and, you know, stress you out. So I changed my name. I changed all my profiles on social media. I barely engaged with social mm. media at all for, for three or four years, maybe more than that, because of that one event. And so, yeah. um, and you know, and you know what they're doing. They're just trying to make you uncomfortable, trying to, you know, make you shut you up, basically, because they didn't yeah. like your opinions about cats being better than dogs. Um, <laughs> but this is, yeah, yeah, I mean, this can be, this can have real, but the point is it can have real implications on people, right? It can have real yeah. implications if you're going to do something like that. And um you know, if it's never nice to get picked on and people should know that you've probably been on the recipient of being picked on at some point in life. So why would you want to do that to someone else? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Um, it really doesn't. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I think I can be skirting around the subject. I guess the point is, uh, you're not always going to agree with everyone on Twitter. It's all good. It's just Twitter. Relax. Unless someone's getting a hurt. Mm. There's no need to like, you know, Report anyone. It's all good, people. Relax. Yeah, um, yeah I think that would be the thing that I like to say. Um, you know, and I've been on the receiving end of a few, a few kind of mean things, and I've, I've said the wrong thing. Mm. But I always take a oh, step back. Oh, I got cancelled okay. this week as well. <laughs> Forgot yes. about that. What happened to you this week? Yeah, what happened to you again? What was that? Uh, I posted um, a little thread about, oh, if, if we were to have like a Med Twitter awards ceremony, like who would get an award for That's what? Right. That's right. And, yeah, I, and yeah, guys, yeah. I'm misogynistic. I can't help it, man. I just, just hate women, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, you did this quite fun yeah. thread and it was like, oh, let's do some med Twitter awards. And then, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes when I've, I found this on Twitter, like a conversation starts and there's no way I would have predicted where it was going to go. A bit exactly. Like, you know, when, exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, there's like if you're looking at a piece of noodle, yeah, like noodles are pretty stringy and goes all over the place. You never expect like to start at one end of the noodle and end up at the other end of the noodle. And you think, how did I get here? That makes no sense. Um, yeah, so you did this it's award a confusing ceremony. noodle. Uh, mm. Yes, it was a very confusing. Uh, noodles can be confusing, and so yeah. Um, yeah, you did this. You did this Twitter <laughs> thing about you know uh, awards, and you'd, you'd mentioned Neely. You'd mentioned a few people, right? I mean, some females, and there was yeah, a few people, people who were males who were being mentioned. mentioned yeah. Um, there wasn't decided, a skew to either way, but my no, word, yeah. I yeah, I just decided to mention a few people whose names I hadn't seen mentioned, who just happened to be guys. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, I got I got told that I'm being misogynistic because I didn't include enough women, and I was like, "There's there's quite a wow. few more women mentioned here, but yeah, just I mean, I, you know, I, I am misogynistic. I can't help it. No, I'm, I'm definitely. Well, I think not you know what sometimes happens is that, <laughs> but sometimes what just happens to is that someone has got, but someone's itching for 
for an argument. They just they've they've yeah. got a certain uh, yeah they've got a certain thing on their mind and they kind of found meaning in something that you said and they've just extrapolated it to be no 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 I know what you're talking mm. about. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about and I'm going to make whatever you're saying talk about and be about what I'm talking about. And so that, yeah. I've seen that happen with things about anti-vax and vaccines. I've seen that, you know, Phil Lee said about, you know, you mentioned something about cycling helmets and suddenly <laughs> you'll go into cycling helmet safety. And so people yeah. are just going onto the platform with certain ideas on their mind and they're kind of almost knowing where they're going to go and then just project mm. it onto whatever you've said. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Mate, I wouldn't take it's, that too It's personally. quite, yeah. it, nah, it was, it I don't. It was, it was just quite funny. From afar. It was quite funny. Yeah. And also I had like, I had a couple of friends who were lurkers um, who came up to me. Like it was at work as well. One of my friends came up to me at work and was like, I saw what happened on your Twitter. That was insane. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, you know that it's a bit crazy. Yeah. When the lurkers come out yeah. of their hiding spots. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I just thought it was quite that was, amusing. That was pretty time. funny. That was pretty funny. Mm. But I, I think we're all friends. There's no need to. There's no need to. You know, <laughs> report anyone over that little, uh, no. little bit of a scuffle <laughs> on the internet. It's all good. It's all good. We're all friends. Exactly. Relax. We're all good. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. So, um, Tanya, you've uh, you've stepped in for our, our good friend uh, Thrusha, who's been cancelled. Um, unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We've fallen out. We're not friends anymore. Um, no, genuinely. Um, hopefully, Thrusha gets better. He's not feeling well. Um, so he's ended up having to sit out this particular uh, podcast episode. Did we actually mention that at the beginning? I think we forgot to mention he was actually just unwell. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. So people might have gone all the way to the end thinking that he's actually cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Through shit, it's not cancelled. Oh, no. He is completely yeah. fine. He, well, he's not completely fine. He's got a sore throat, and so um, yeah, he decided to sit this one out. Tanya, you've done mm. a fantastic job of being through shit today. Well done. I have been. Yeah, <laughs> you've I hope been through shit all, all evening. Yeah, I think you've done exactly. a very good job. Um, well, has through been me all this time? Well, that's a bit meta, isn't it? <laughs> Ooh, mind, mind is blown. blown there you go there you go where did it start who is who you've never seen us in a room together yeah maybe i'm not say. even me maybe i'm not even me what's going on oh my God. <laughs> existential crises exactly exactly but no, this Here has been go. fun no thanks for coming on uh, i really really appreciate it i mean uh yeah like i said you're one of the first um you know med twitter people i'd met in real life and then you you were sending us pictures of your cat uh, an actual cat. <laughs> when you say that, it sounds cat. so dodgy. You need to stop no. saying that. All right, fine. But that's what you did. You sent us a picture of the, the animal. Uh, the, can yes. I say that or does that sound dodgy? Yes, the yeah, animal. Yeah. <laughs> just digging a hole. Just okay, more and more. let's forget it. Yeah, forget anyway. it. I'm sorry. Let's just Carry move on. on. But anyway, no, um, Tanya, thank you for your continued support for the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for no coming problem. on. Um, yeah, try thank and you stay guys for having week, me. Yeah. I'll try not to get cancelled um, again. <laughs> sp speaking of supporting the podcast, do check out www.lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for some GP jobs in Essex and Northumberland. And if you do take them, please do say you're friends of the two medics. They will give you some pretty good rates from what I understand. So uh, do check them out. I'll leave a link in the description. As always, have a great week through to you. I hope you get better soon. Speak to you soon as well. And Tanya, I'm sure I'll be uh, DMing you at some point uh, about, I don't know, Typos what drama's or something. going on. Yeah, cool. yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.